Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get in the know, non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Purple Daily, presented by Surly Brewing Company. I think the whole team feeds off the fans that are there. The, um, you know, the, the crowd noise helps with uh, <clears throat> the opposing offenses, obviously, but I, I, I believe the whole crowd, you know, hopefully they're as excited to get back there as we are. You know, they haven't been back in over a year, so it's be, it's be uh, fun for them and fun for us. Mike Zimmer talking about the Vikings home opener. First game in front of fans since the end of the 2019 season. Welcome into Purple Access, which is, of course, sponsored as are all our Purple Daily shows by our friends at Surly Brewing Company. And also want to thank our uh, sponsors from TCL, TCL TVs enjoy more. If you want to watch a football game in crystal clear uh, version, I suggest you pick up and try a TCL. Zolgad, Chip Scoggin, Star Tribune sports columnist, and Declan Goff, executive producing. And Chipper, let's get right to it. Owen, two. How do you feel about this club thus far? Because Owen, two is not positive, but I got to say, after the game, the loss to the Cardinals on Sunday, um, it doesn't feel like 0-2 feels helpless, if that makes sense. No, I mean, obviously they played better last week than – if they would have played like they did against the Browns last week, then I would have said it's hopeless because um, they were just – it was just a disaster, actually. Um, but there are a lot of positives from that game. Uh, you're still 0-2, but I think you have to feel good about the way Cousins is playing. I think you have to feel good if Dalvin's ankle's not too bad the way he's running. Defensive line got pressure. Um, and so there were, you felt like that was more representative of the talent that they have than what yeah. we saw in game one. And so, um, but at the end of the day, you're playing Russell Wilson in Seattle. And if you fall to 0 3, then we are going to say it feels hopeless. Yeah, that's the interesting thing, too, is because um, this game, again, I, I hate talking about must wins, right? With within the first three games or four games, but this game really feels like that because it's a home game. It, mm-hmm. If you go to 0 and 3, you're now officially in trouble. And and we'll and fair or not, we'll start to talk about uh Zim's job security. So yes. I, I'm with you. This game to me feels absolutely huge. And by the way, it's not in Seattle. And so it's a winnable game. Like, don't tell me, oh, they can't win. They don't beat the Seahawks. They don't beat the Seahawks. And they've certainly played some close games in Seattle. But this game is here. Uh, Your team played a pretty damn good game in a lot of facets, I thought, against the Cardinals. 
this game is very winnable. Yeah, and I think the stats, Russell Wilson is 7-0 against the Vikings, but five of those is coming home, and yeah. one, of, one of the two here was the, the playoff game, obviously. Um, and so, no, I mean, I, I got to imagine that atmosphere is going to be revved up, right? It, it's going to be loud, and so that'll give them a, an advantage on defense. Um, and, you know, I mean, Seattle's coming off a loss that they probably felt like they gave away. Uh, they were up, what, 30 to 16 in the fourth quarter? 14, and you, yep, 14. You, you lose in overtime. <clears throat> so, no, I mean, I, I don't know what the, the line is on this one, but um, based on the way they played and based on being back home and we know the advantage that that gives them, um, it's absolutely a winnable game. But, yeah, it's it's not a must-win in terms of, okay, you're eliminated. But if you fall to 0-3 knowing how their schedule looks later on, yep. this was not the schedule to try to play catch-up on. And we talked about that before the season – how imperative it was to get off to a good start because it's there's a stretch. I think it's in December where they have to go back east, east coast, west coast, and then the Packers on the road or at home. Yep. yep. So this is not the season to try to play catch up and build a deep hole. So they they absolutely need to get this one to um, try to turn it the other way. This is why the Bengals game was so damn important. Yes. Yes. Because that game was there. Um. And and so because you figured, I thought best case realistic best case two and one right uh yeah i but you yeah. got to get but i but but back to back on the road to open is difficult so mm-hmm. that's why i identified immediately and i think we all did that that cincinnati game is absolutely being a key game because you mm-hmm. win that one you figured you might not beat the cardinals which you should have but you didn't because of the kicker and then yeah. you possibly beat the seahawks okay two and one's fine but that's what made made that loss so difficult and and i watched a bunch of the noon game uh in chicago between the bengals joe burrow and the bears and i'll tell you right now it is disappointing that the vikings and joe burrow's first game first regular season game back from a torn acl and mcl it is disappointing that they didn't do a better job against them yeah and if, if they would have played and you could do this all day long but if they had played like they did sunday in arizona against the bengals i mean they win that one easily probably right i mean just because well, they win yeah yeah, I mean the you don't have all the penalties and and yep just the first half uh, was inexcusable in Cincinnati. It was hard to even understand what the heck was you know between the penalties and the and uh, the pressures and just I mean it was bad. So yeah, I mean that's that's when you look back on it's like man, you guys wasted that day. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a chance to win it, but yeah, I I, I mean um, you never want to be encouraged after a loss because it is a bottom line business and. You still got the loss, but the way they played, um, particularly I think Cousins, right? I feel like he's playing pretty. The thing he's doing, Judd, yeah, he's not turning the ball over, yep. and that's w- what killed him early on. Yep. In, in other seasons, like was it last year or the year before, where did he have like eight interceptions or something right out the shoot? And he's had was, sketchy starts the last two years, and so yeah. far he's been very solid. He's been good. yeah, and so. Um, so I yeah I feel like that was um, a step in the right direction if that's the right way to phrase a loss you know yeah I like the fact he also and this especially I didn't check the stats but it seemed to be true against the Cardinals I like the fact he was getting the ball out quickly and I'm guessing mm-hmm. that's a, a schematic thing because you know Chandler Jones had what five sacks sure. in week one. But um, Kirk needs to get rid of the ball. And, and I like the fact that they acknowledged that and made sure it happened because 
he turns the ball over ordinarily. Why? Because he gets back in the pocket and he waits and waits and waits and gets himself into being hit. Uh, I think the idea of delivering the ball as quickly as possible in a lot of situations for Kirk Cousins is probably a smart one because, again, he can make the throws. It's if he gets the throw off sometimes. But I also say, I think we have to credit the offensive line in that first half particularly. I thought they played pretty darn good. Um, We've been been very hard on Garrett Bradbury. I thought he was excellent uh, in the run game. I mean, some of those holes that Dalvin had to run through were gigantic in the first half. Now I thought, Second half wasn't as sharp. Um, they got some pressure. I think there was a sack and a little more pressure. But uh-huh. I think you would take that performance from the offensive line probably every game, right, if they can play like that. Because they weren't they weren't the reason they lost, and Correct. they weren't a liability. So that part was good. Um, I thought, you know, obviously the, the two-minute uh, drill was, was good, except uh, uh, Jefferson had the one drop. But. They did everything they were supposed to do. Um, you know, defense gave up a lot of points, and they had some breakdowns, but I think you also have to credit um, Kyler Murray, who's just – we talked about him last week, Judd, man. He's special. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, when, 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 it, when, it, when it breaks down, and we, we said it, it's hard to cover guys that long. We saw it, you know, whether it's Patrick Peterson or whoever – the most impressive play I thought was the one where he's backpedaling Harrison Smith coming after him the fourth and whatever. Oh, it was gorgeous. He just lobs it down. To, I mean, that's, that's just a just a big time play, you know, for that guy in that situation. So I think you have to credit him a lot too. Um, so, but you know, defensively, you have to still have some questions with their corners, man. Yeah, you should. But shot Breland, yeah. I I I would start Cam Dantzler on Sunday. I'm not sure what you think, but Breland's got a bad back <laughs> now. He has not been good. I think Cam Dantzler. I Dantzler. Do you go scoring. from? Yeah, do you go from? Yeah, do you go from being really bad in camp to being in in Zimmer's well, crosshairs to starting? Dan, Dantzler was quoted. Um, we're recording this on Thursday, and he talked today about how the and this shouldn't have to happen, but he talked about how being inactive in week one woke him up and got and got him going uh, and he was not good in camp and i really think he came in down on down in the dauber because freeland was signed and he knew that he was not going to have the job but i think i've seen enough of freeland and cam dancer is a third round pick cam dancer yeah. started 10 games last year um i sort of didn't like the fact that they they seemingly bailed on him so quick but I thought towards the end of the game against the Cardinals, when Cam Dantzler played in place of Breland Chipper, that he definitely made some plays. And mm-hmm. with Breland, it just looks like it's a struggle. Like I, I'm not saying Pat P is still Pat P, but I think Pat P is solid. Um, yeah, Breland to me, if I'm them, I at least give the idea of of bringing Dantzler back in and playing him. I would, I would, I would, I would actually. I, when I say will they do it, I was wondering from a Zimmer perspective, but I, I would because here's the thing. Breland, if you go by PFF and their stats, he's he's the lowest ranked cornerback in the NFL. That uh, cornerbacks that have played at least half their their team snaps, sure. right? So, sure. I mean, he's he's dead last, and now he has a back injury. So, if he was ineffective when he's healthy, now you're adding a tight back on top of that. Um, I think you have to go to to um, Dancer just to see if if he can continue what he showed. I mean, he missed one tackle, I think, there in the fourth quarter, but otherwise he had a pass breakup in the end yeah, zone. It was nice. nice. Um, so I would absolutely, uh, go to him, but, um, you're getting, you know, I mean, 
is hand now is Harrison hands on the uh, COVID list on the COVID list. So. Yeah. Which we don't know much about yet, which concerns yeah. me a bit. Cause I, I'm, I'm hoping that he doesn't have it. I'm hoping he was exposed. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that would change, you know, uh, the discussion, but if, if, if he's out and Breland's hurt now, you're getting pretty thin back there. Oh, very thin. At, very at corner. Thin. Yes. And you're facing Couple of pretty good receivers and a good quarterback this weekend. So it's, Metcalf um, and Lockett, and Lockett is off to a big start. And I, here's here's what I'm curious about, okay? And I don't, okay. So Pat P is, um, again, I don't think he's terrible. He's certainly not the player that he he used to be, which probably is arguably a future Hall of Fame player. When it comes to Lockett, though, do you attempt to shadow him? Well, like if Lockett ends up on Dantzler, are you just cool with that? Yeah, but Metcalf is not a slouch. No, you know? I no, I know, but I'm just, I'm just trying to think here because well, I mean, we know Zimmer does. You're right. This is very tough. Yeah, I mean, we've we've you're seen right, Zimmer right. doing that before with with Xavier Rhodes. With Xavier Rhodes, and I don't know if they would do it with yeah Pat or not. And I don't know to to what you're saying. You know, that might just o- open up Metcalf potentially to have a huge it, day. Yeah, it's not. You know, it's not like there's just one guy there and you say, okay, he's all we really have to worry about. I mean, you got two big time guys. And so I think I would probably be, I think I'd be surprised if Zimmer did that, you know, Um, but it'll be, I, you know, I think the thing that's going to help them is I think that pass rush will be uh, boosted by the crowd noise. And we've, we've seen teams and offenses not function well when it's really loud in there. And I think this is going to be as, you know, right up there with as loud as we've heard in there because I think fans are revved up to be back. So that'll help them. Um, but it's Russell Wilson. I mean, I don't think you're going to rattle Russell Wilson. You know? No, but you could get the offensive line to – to, uh, Well, that's it. Right. That's yeah, what I would be banking on. And, and timing, too. I mean, it may just yeah. – might just be a, you know, a quick second slower. And that – if you give Daniil Hunter, who's just been – I think we should spend some time on him, too, just how great, you know, he's looked in camp and then start this season, um, yeah. you know, coming back from that neck injury. But if you give him a, a running head start, <laughs> you're in trouble, you know? Yeah. So he is also going to um, 1000% now and deserves it. Get a new contract, a new contract in March. Cause Chipper he's due. I think it's six days into the 2022 yeah. league year. Daniil Hunter is due a very big payday. And his uh, salary cap hit for 2022 in the restructured contract they did, I think is something like $27 million or something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. This guy is going to get a long-term extension and deserves it. And you are right. The, the amount of guys that come off a neck surgery and look like this is probably how big? It's probably yeah. very, very small. small. Yeah. And uh, this guy has, from day one, a camp too. This guy has been back. He's looked great. And he flat out is one of the elite best players at his position in the entire league. No question. Yeah, I think they probably wanted Bosa money, right, at the beginning of yes, the Yes, that's what they wanted. And, and they might get something like that now. He might get it after, after if, if he continues down this path. Because, I mean, he's – there's all these different uh, his, historic charts that he's, you know, the sack fast as this, fast as that. And he's right there with some of the – some pretty impressive names that are on these lists that he's on. So he's – you know, he's he's um, in rare company in terms of the, the sacks productions that he's putting up this early in his career. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a big contract. I mean, it's going to be a massive one that they have to pay him. And um, you see J- 
just the impact he has across the whole defense line and on that defense when yeah. he when when his presence is there. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's been it's a, it's a cool story because I know you and I both all off season that was probably the number one thing, not only his contract, but what was he going to come back and and be like, and was it going to be, you know, was he going to be the same player and he's as good if not better? What he looks like to me. If I could, if I told you that that you were going to start an NFL team and could pick one player off each roster, would he be your pick off the Vikings roster? Because I think he might be mine. Off the Vikings? Um, yeah. So you're, you're, you know, your QB yeah. would come elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, but so I'm giving you. Running back might come elsewhere. Yeah, probably. Yep. From um, each of the 32 teams. Would Daniil be your pick for the Vi- from the Vikings roster? Yeah, I think so because you would you know, I really have a lot of respect for Eric Kendricks as a player, but I think you'd probably, probably, probably Daniil, you know, just because the his pass rushing and and what that brings. Um, I mean, when you line up their best players, to me, there's there's four that you start with: him, Kendricks, Jefferson, and Dalvin. Mm-hmm. You know, I think those are your four best players right there. And so, and those are four of the best at their positions, you know. I yes. mean, Jefferson, maybe not yet. But, but he's going there, I think. But he's going that direction. I think the other three, I think you could you definitely could make that argument um, among the best, at, you know, top whatever you want to say, three or four at their position. On Dalvin, uh, he, he said he got a stinger, I believe, early in the game in the first half, if I'm not mistaken, against the Cardinals. And, mm-hmm. and, and his ankle got turned, I think, by J.J. Watt. On that tackle in the middle, half, yeah. Which, which, by the way, the Vikings, you could tell, were not pleased about. I think they felt that that, that was an Twisted. unnecessary yeah. twist. Uh, yeah. What's your theory there, though? Because Dalvin Cook is a marvelous football player, and he is he changes the game, and his presence on the field in the Vikings offense alters how defenses think. That being said, though, I'm all for I'm all for using him as much as possible, but I've also come to the conclusion, and that this is not a, a unique conclusion, but I've also come to the conclusion that the reality is if you use him too much, he's gonna get banged up badly and hurt. Like Derrick Henry, I don't know why, is just unbelievable. Like you can abuse yeah. his go go look at his touches against the Seahawks for the Titans last yeah. Sunday. It, it's incredible. What would you do when it comes to Cook? Because I do think that you have to look because it's a 17 game season now, Chipper. Yeah, I know ways to try and keep him a little bit fresher than they probably do. If you really plan on having him as much as possible, this is a hard one for me, and I would be terrible at this if I was a coach. I have to be honest; it's tough for me too. I wouldn't want to have to be in charge of figuring out where the line is because, um. I might have a game plan Monday through Saturday. And then when you get in a game and he's rolling and it's a close game, I would, I would ride him. I, I wouldn't be thinking about, Oh my God, we we have three more years of him under contract or whatever his contract, you know, we, we have to think about when he's 27. I just couldn't do that. I mean, right, but, but what about this? Year? He's your best player. He's your best offensive player. Right. But I'm saying for this year. So I'm, I'm I know. Well, I agree. Year. Yeah. And I don't know. I'm saying December. If, if he, if he does what he did on Sunday, there's a very real chance he won't be there in December. Honestly, and this probably sounds maybe callous or dumb, but if I was a coach, I would go to 
Eric Sugarman and the people, and I said, uh, you have as much responsibility in this as I do. Get him, get him healthy throughout the week. I, I mean, I don't with all that stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, just make sure you take care of your body. Have a good game plan for him Monday through Saturday in terms does. of. But I think he does too. Back. Oh, I, no, I don't. I don't doubt he's he does. A consummate I mean, he professional. I, it's just he, he's just the type of guy that's going to get banged up, and you've got to. It's just such a tough conversation because I would pick my spots if I could. And I, but but every every NFL game's close. How can you pick your spots? Like it'd be easy to say. Uh, you know, we're playing Western Michigan. <laughs> let's let's, uh, let's yeah. not run them in the second half. Well, in the NFL, it's like every game is close, and you you're fighting for everything to try to win. So how do you how do you how do you formulate a game plan on terms like oh, we have to rest him here? And I know they want to give him some spells with um, in in games, but it's like I don't know. I, I would be awful at that. To be honest with you, I wouldn't know what the how to handle it. A year ago, I said use him up. Just do it, do it, do it. But the problem with that is, is, and we saw this on Sunday, is he'll go down within a game. Like he'll, yeah. And it's he's not dogging it. He just gets hurt uh, or banged up. So I guess what I would do is I, I personally at this point in time, I think would also make sure that I really like his backup. And my team is so geared towards effectiveness running the ball. I'm not yeah. saying that I'm not saying that Madison should be Cook, but I am saying this. And this is where I give PJ Fleck and the Gophers a ton of credit. Their offensive line is built so well that you can plug and play guys and not go from Dalvin Cook, oh my God, this guy's going to Canton to this yeah. guy can't do do the job. So I guess that would be at least a starting point to have the trust and ability that the backup can spell Dalvin for some series. Yeah, and and I think Madison's a fine number two. But he ain't Dalvin. No. And, and you remember no. when, when remember last year when Dalvin was going through his contract thing and people were like, ah, oh, we don't need a run. Just, just pay Madison. The offense is not the same. And that's not a discredit to Madison because there's just not many guys that are at Dalvin's at his level. And so, um, yes, could they give Madison more carries in a game? Mm-hmm. Realistically, John, maybe a few. Yep. But it's not like you're going to say, okay, let's give him seven more carries because that's just like, well, I'm not sure that's the best use of your offense. I mean, right. you have Dalvin, oh, you're I paying him. I so I, I don't, I honestly don't know what the right answer is other than really have a great game plan to, to help his body recover from week to week. KJ Osborne continues yeah. to look great. The, yeah. the uh, touchdown pass from Kirk, what on the second play from scrimmage, I think second by the Vikings, play, yeah. was a, was a great pass as well. Uh, but I do think that this alters the dynamic of this offense by a lot. If you have now, for the first time in a long time, three receivers who you trust, and KJ Osborne is clearly not BC Johnson, who we all thought, oh, mm-hmm. he might be good, but you really didn't. You really didn't see it consistently. This guy has come back, set to play. He looks damn good. Um, but don't get me wrong; the loss of Irv Smith at tight end still hurts a lot. I, I think Irv mm-hmm. Smith was was going to have a huge year but all of that being said the Osborne dynamic definitely opens up more that you didn't necessarily have previously with two receivers you trusted and not three yeah sometimes your eyes don't deceive you in training camp right like you know you will see guys flash in training camp okay we get excited about them and then games actually start to matter or count and it's like but he yeah he's I mean from the time he showed up at camp that guy looked like on a mission to carve out a role for himself. 
in a, in a job. And he, he has, I mean, give him credit, you know, I mean, and it seems like cousins trust him too. And that's a big part of this and not just saying, Oh, I just trust two guys, you know, it's gotta be Jefferson or Thielen. Um, I think he's earning cousins trust. And so, yeah, that changes uh, just the way they can line up and different things they can do with the three wide receiver sets. And we know Kubiak wants to try some of that. And so, um, yeah, I mean, his emergence, I think, gives the offense more capability to do different things than what we – when when Irv went down, we're like, well, now what? You know, I mean, right. this offense might be a little more limited, but I think Osborne uh, – has a chance to be productive for him. And I think if I'm not mistaken, Chip, he was drafted as a return man. And yeah. if he could play receiver, oh, good. The reality is as a return man, he's not that good. As mm-hmm. a receiver, he, he might be a complete fine. So yeah. that, that's the weird uh, dynamic of the draft where there's just some luck involved at times. Yep. Because, yeah, when, when I saw Osborne early in camp, in camp doing the toe taps, like he had done a lot of work. It's impressive. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought, cause I've never been impressed and I don't know if he lacks a burst or what I've never been impressed when I've seen him attempt to return a punt and I saw him at receiver and you're right. The trust between he and Kirk is, is high now. Um, I saw that and I thought, my God, I think they found a guy who, who can yeah. actually play here. Can't return, but that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, I'd rather have the third receiver than a guy who might, occasionally break a you know a return whatever but uh no i mean he's you know you love when you see guys who clearly put in the work in the off season to improve and i think to me him and vigil have been the two biggest surprises or finds for them um where do i mean that, you're i right. don't know i mean it's funny i don't know if it's just opportunity or being in you know uh right place right time or he making his luck or whatever but i mean vigil just made Big plays. And here's the thing, Judd. I've said this. Yep. I, I saw Barr was talking to me today, and he, he said he's coming back from knee injury, and he may or may not play. But when he's back and you go to your nickel, I, how do you take a guy who's been making plays off the field? I don't That's know. I'm a, I have no idea. Making plays gets the scheme. Now, yeah. so, so he played for the Bengals uh, – when Paul Gunther was the defensive coordinator there yeah. who used a lot of what Mike uses. And now Gunther is the defensive, what consultant or something consultant, like that. Yeah. So, so, and I think Nick went to the chargers last year. He started like two games and, and I think was largely a situational guy and now looks great, but yeah, they have a decision to make. And I don't, I don't know if you just pull him off the field. I mean, bars coming back from a knee problem. This, this I is don't, a weird one. Like this well, is going to I be don't, a conundrum. Well, we know how much Zimmer loves Bar and trust him and all that, but but what would that say to your locker room where a guy who's been one of your three best defensive players so far, would you agree? Kendrick's him and, and oh, yeah. probably Hunter. Yeah. That you say, okay, we're gonna you're gonna have your playing time slashed in half. Right. When Bar comes back. I just don't I don't think you could do it. I mean it's in, until not as long as he's playing at this level. I mean he's he's you know, sacks and tackles for loss and turnovers. And I mean, he's just, he's uh he's been a high impact player for you. So I don't, to me, it wouldn't be much decision at all. He's done a lot you know? of good things. Right. But I, I mean, you, but, but you're right. Mike loves bar. So you're, mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's the, that's the thing is I, I think for 
for you or me, it's an easy decision that Nick keeps playing. But you know, when Barr's back, but I could see, I I could see at the outset at least saying Barr's got a knee problem. Yeah. We're going to be cautious. He's going to play X amount of snaps um, and come off the field because you're you're in nickel. What fifty five, sixty percent of the time now? At it's least, a good yeah, probably. Hand. Yeah, so, and I, I my hunch is that's what it'll be. Is just easing back in as long as Vigil's playing this way, and and you know you kind of have that uh, cover, so to speak, for having to make a decision that might not be popular. You know. Right. Um, and it, it might be the right thing to do for Barr too, that he's not ready to play. Right. But eventually he will be. And then, and then, be. then yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then see where you're at. Yeah. yeah. Um, I test question for you. And, and I think this is more scheme than player, but it feels to me like in the first two games, Harrison Smith hasn't been the same and he hasn't been in the position that he usually is. And and I don't think he's dropping off significantly. I think it's the scheme. But I'm just curious if you agree, because it feels like the first two games, I have seen Harrison Smith reacting more than actually making plays, and it seems unusual. Yeah. Um, we're used to him making those splash plays. And, you know, maybe we would have saw one if he would uh, when he came on the blitz to get Murray, that would have been one of those. Um, yeah. I think he's done some nice things. I wouldn't say he's struggling or anything like that, but it's just you don't you don't notice. I haven't anything. noticed him. That's exactly right. what. I, yeah, he, right. you haven't noticed him in the ways that we've noticed him in the past. And it's two games, so I don't want to be an alarmist on that. Um, I don't. I don't know if that means it's a sign of anything. But I agree with you. I think that's the, the way I say it. We haven't noticed those kind of Harrison Smith vintage plays where he's um, making, you know, a big hit or an interception or, or what have you. And we know the scheme has been, has been toyed with. Sure. So, so like this very well could be the result of that, not his, not his personal performance. Uh, but it just seems weird because he is one guy that it feels like most years starting on opening day, there's, yeah. you know, three or four plays per game where, where you're like, there's 22. He's disru- just, disruptive. Yeah. Yes, disruptive. And, I, and I've and i noticed him, but it seems like he's more in, in a position to react than be disruptive. And it just, it seems weird for a guy who's been as good for as long as he has been and always seems to be in the middle of several plays per game. Yeah, it's, 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 it's something to keep an eye on because I felt like last year he was caught in the middle of chaos with young guys and guys that probably shouldn't have been playing. And it almost felt like, and I don't know if this is accurate, but just watching, it felt like he was trying to play five positions or cover up for five, you know, because it was just so chaotic back there. So it's something to keep an eye on um, to see if it is a scheme thing or if there is a drop-off. But I I don't know that there's been enough evidence so far to to suggest that um, there's a drop-off or anything. I think it might just be. It just seems weird. Two games, yeah. Yeah, but it's definitely something to keep watching. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Are we about to enter kicker chaos, my good man? Are we about to enter? Should we all calm down? Greg Joseph's going to be fine because we've done this before. Everyone remain calm. Blair Walsh will be fine. Um, Dan Bailey will be fine. Or are we about to to be in the latest episode of Viking kicker chaos? What will the tension in U.S. Bank Stadium be with first time he jogs on that field Sunday? (laughs) Hi, I mean Zimmer has tried to lower it. To I give you know, him, yeah, 
I mean, I Zimmer's credit, definitely, but I don't like it. Well, like it's, it's, Zim. No, it's definitely, Zim. uh, it's so much it's more the, fun. Yeah. It's the new Zim where the Kindler Jetler Zim with his kicker and, um, yeah, Zen Zim. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Zen Zim now. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think Judd, it just depends on, although I will say this, I do think probably the way Mike handled it this week helps the guy's confidence versus, yes him turning up the temperature and making a guy feel uncomfortable and like, Oh my God, I'm kicking, you know, I'm walking on eggshells now. I you know, if I miss one now, I'm out of a job by Zimmer, giving him a vote of confidence, you know, damn well that that got back to Joseph and he understands oh, yeah. that. He and I'm sure Mike's had, he probably had, you know, conversations with him. So I think that will help. I, I don't know if it was a, a technical thing on that kick or what have you, or the, you know, but, um, but it still comes down to, as your and my good buddy Ryan Longwell said, it's an A or an F, man. And yeah, there, yeah, there, there's no C. There's no C. <laughs> it's, an it's, a, <laughs> it's an A or an F, and you just never know. Like, if you have a couple of F's, F's in a row, can you bounce back from it? Right, and I just never, when it comes to the Vikings and kickers, now I never assume it's going to be fine because no. you just can't. And that's no, and I've gone back and forth on whether Zimmer should have kept the foot on the gas at the end of that game and tried to get it closer or maybe score. I still think I land on just a 37 yard kick, man. If if you can't have trust in if you can't trust the guy to make that, then you got the wrong guy. I agree with you completely, but let me let me uh, um, separate the thought that they should have gotten closer for Joseph from the fact that after KJ Osborne caught the ball. 41 seconds left. They allowed it to go down to four. Taking Joseph out of the equation, because I'm with you. He's got to make that kick. That's not Mike's fault. Yeah. Um, Kirk Cousins was playing so well that drive that I would have let him run another play because I would have had enough confidence that what he was doing could result in a touchdown. Yeah. Does that make sense? I, I, 100%. And I do wonder, Judd, if Dalvin had not fumbled the week before, would, would the outcome have been different or the thinking been different? Yes. I think I it would have. Yes. It, yes, it would have. And that bothers me slightly because Dalvin's not a liability player. Yeah, but I think just Zimmer probably said, there's no way he didn't flash back. And like a week ago, we had a chance to win a game. We fumbled. Right. We're close enough. Right. right. This this should be amazing. So I think if that if that hadn't happened or if there if it would have happened eight weeks ago where it's not so fresh, he okay. may have. He may have. But, yeah, I mean, you're paying Cousins $31 million or thirty whatever it is. That's the thing. And he's playing to, well. That's why playing was well, great. And Arizona's on their heels, and you had—I mean, you were—you had momentum, and so I think I probably would have uh, been tempted, but also I probably would have been swayed by you know what? If I keep going down here and we throw an interception, I'm going to—I'm going to regret this because we were in makeable field goal range. I think I probably—that's why I'm not an NFL coach, but I probably would have played it safe there, Jeff. Yeah, I think if I trust my quarterback, I, I allow him to take some type of shot. I'm not saying an irresponsible pass into the end zone, but I think I allow him to do something. Uh, I just think it shows – to me, it always comes back to one thing, Chipper, that Mike sees offense as a necessary evil that he ordinarily yeah. is trying to stop. <laughs> like, like well, he sees it as the, as the evil force. I think he sees trouble. Yes. You know, he don't, he sees the, he sees the negative outcomes. 
Yeah, he sees it. the negative. He's always he's always afraid of a fumble or a sack or a, instead of foot on the gas, let's go, let's go. It's, it, he's he's more of the old school, like just don't screw it up, right. play good defense, don't turn it over, don't have the negative, and we'll kick the 37-yard field goal in. Correct. I know that drives people crazy. In, in, in modern NFL, probably the wrong approach or approach that needs to be tweaked, but um, – I still think I probably would have aired on the side the way he did it, you know. Boy, and maybe I'm maybe I'm stuck in the, the well, dark ages here. You I know? Mean, yeah, and look, there, there's a case to be made that despite how how well that drive was going, the, the second to last drive, uh, which the Cardinals then botched when they got the ball back terribly, uh, the yeah. second to last drive was awful, and the uh, check down to Abdullah was inexplicable. And our conversation, if that had been the Vikings' last drive, when it comes yeah. to Kirk Cousins, would be totally different. But that drive was going so well. But yeah, I mean, look, I get where Mike's coming from. I'm just saying, I think the fact that he sees his offense as a necessary evil is probably not a great starting point. Um, yeah, correct. Yes, but I, I hear you too. I get what you're saying. I, I was more bothered by the by the uh, squib kick than not oh, going for well, the, the touchdown there. I thought the squib kick was just. How do you do that? No, knowing they had the kicker and yeah, who knowing did, the kicker on the other side. We had a sixty something. I th- I think against you at US Bank Stadium playing for the Lions. I, I understand coaches like to take time off the clock, but the squib kick you always give them great field position. It drives me crazy when coaches do. It's like why are you going to give them? They view the time off the clock more than the field position in those situations. Right. It drives me crazy. I don't right. know why. Well, and I mean, I want regardless of clock, I want. Kyler Murray backed up as much as possible uh, and Matt Prater nowhere near. Cause that's the thing. But, <laughs> but what I don't understand is if I'm not mistaken, it was the game that the Vikings lost to the lions in, in overtime on like a golden Tate touchdown catch. When yes. Prater tied the game with like a 60 yard field goal, it was nearly identical. It was just at the end of regulation in that case. I mean, Matt Prater was in your division. The man yeah. has a enormous leg, and that's so. I'm with you on that one. To me, that's almost coaching malpractice because you know, like somebody, it's not like you picked up the depth chart and were like, "Oh crap, Matt Prater's their kicker." Yeah, well, it's not like it's it's the Vikings kicker. Like if it's even then, I just don't think I would give up the field position, I which it always does. But but especially with Matt Prater in that sideline, where you know he has a huge leg and he's and, in the history. And the thing too is the Vikings defense, Eric Kendricks, make that tackle. Yeah. Well that's yeah, you miss you know. on uh Rod Delmore. Hey their wide receiver core over there is really good. I mean it's fantastic. Right, is not bad. I know. Yeah. I mean they're fantastic. Rod Delmore was so he he and Rashad Bateman were, were the two hot shots in the Big Ten and, last yeah, year, right? Purdue. I mean, I've seen that kid. I I loved him playing Purdue. He just I mean I've seen him a lot just he looks damn good. He's man. he's electric, man. He's he's hard to bring down. He's shifty and just yep. he's a strong. Really good, he's a he's is, a really good player. Is is he a little bit Percy Harvin? Yeah, I mean he has he's that tight kind of smaller, compact, shifty, hard to bring down. Yeah, um, he, he looks. That's strong. a good comparison. Yeah, very strong. Yeah. Okay, I I want to get to predictions next, but Chip Scoggins. Before I do that, I want to ask you one question. When it comes to your choice of beer, what's in your refrigerator right now? What's sitting in your refrigerator when it comes to your choice of let's say ipas 
I would love to say Surly Furious, but I drank two of them last night, so I have to make my run today to get it. You know, but that's the important <laughs> thing. You are enjoying Surly, and Furious is the best, and it's what I enjoy, too. In fact, I just went and picked up uh, six last night. So, football weekend, Chip Scoggins. We got Thursday night football because we're recording this on Thursday. We got college, which is your pride and joy. You love college football. And then we got National Football League on Sunday, and there is no better way to enjoy it all than with a Surly Furious. It's the IPA that revolutionized Minnesota craft beer. Don't settle. Get Surly. Be like Chip. Go to your local liquor <laughs> store today and pick up the Furious. All right. Seattle and Vikings, damn near a must win. Sunday, who do you got? I'm going to give the Vikings the win, Jed. I think there's going to be a, 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 I don't know if desperation is right, but I think being at home with that crowd, I think they're going to be energized. I think uh, the pass rush with the Neil will be, and um, will be good. Still concerns on the back end, how they're going to uh, cover those wide receivers, but I'm going to go 27, 24 Vikings. I think they, um, I think they get their first win. I'm going, I'm with you. I think the Vikings win. I'm going 31-27 Vikings. But I think, yeah, I don't trust either of these defenses completely. So I, mm-hmm. I do think that there's going to be uh, points put on the board, certainly from the Seahawks side. And, you know, the Vikings can score. So 31-27. Declan, you know, you got on, I was talking on about two different scenarios with this the other day. Because I was okay. trying to figure out, I think if it's close, they're going to lose. Just the way, the way it's gone the last two weeks. If it's a close game, they're going to end up losing. But I, I think with them being back at home and them being pissed off, and, you know, we've, we've both, Mackie and Judd, and we've all talked about the, with the Seahawks blowing their lead in week two that they're going to come in angry. I think with the bigger role the Vikings have, I don't think it's close to what Seattle had in week two. So I think the Vikings are going to come in here pretty steamrolled and pissed, and I can see them winning by a touchdown. I, I think they can actually win this game not close. I think they can control it and get the crowd going. And, and be in control the whole game. The crowd will the crowd will make an impact for sure, I think. For sure, yeah. Like I, I yeah, I mean we've seen it so like many times. Time. Yeah. Yeah. And and I'm with Chip. Russell Wilson is not going to get freaked out, but you got false starts. And you know what? The Vikings thrive. Like the Vikings the Vikings will just thrive off of that crowd noise. And last year was so bizarre. Last year I I said Chip of all the games that we attended, the weirdest to me was Vikings. No fans. Yeah, twins, yeah. I got used to Twins. Wild was sort of weird at first. Got used to it. Wolves was, well, Target Center's empty anyway. Yeah. Um, but the Vikings was the one where it was like going to a Saturday morning youth soccer game. Yeah, without a doubt, because those other sports, there's crowd noise, but it's not the kind where you walk out where your ears are ringing yep. ordinarily. And so, it, so it's not that big. I mean, it was a little weird going to us bank stadium where you're so used to like your head buzzing and ears ringing after a game and not having that and hearing guys talk on the field and hearing everson griffin yell across the field when they were here yeah i know so it was so that i mean and and i do believe the vikings have one of the best home field advantages in terms of crowd noise and affecting the offenses um and so to take that away, now to have that back, you're right. I don't think it's going to affect Russell Wilson, but if their offensive line has to go on a silent count and they're looking back and you're giving Daniil Hunter and those guys a, a split-second head start on it's it's going to have an impact. 
Exactly right. All right, sir. We will talk to you next week. I want you right now to get in your car, head to that liquor store, and go pick up that Surly Furious. On my way, brother. Purple Access. Talk to you later.